Welcome to Conversations from the Leading Edge, a monthly radio show and podcast featuring interviews about extraordinary advances in the area of peace and conflict studies happening at or around Columbia University. Each month, we feature interviews with scientists and thought leaders who are conducting groundbreaking work aimed at managing conflict constructively and sustaining peace both locally and globally. My name is Peter T. Coleman, and I'm coming to you from the studios of WKCR at Columbia University. The show is sponsored by AC4, the Advanced Consortium on Cooperation, Conflict, and Complexity at the Earth Institute at Columbia University. And now for today's show. Hi, and welcome to Conversations from the Leading Edge, a show sponsored by the Advanced Consortium on Cooperation, Conflict, and Complexity, known as AC4, that's housed at Columbia University's Earth Institute. This show is also put on in collaboration with WKCR. This episode features a series of profiles, or short interviews, that were conducted with youth leaders who came to visit New York City and Columbia University as guests for the International Association on Conflicts Management, the IACM conference. It was a conference that took place on campus at the end of June. These interviews were conducted in Spanish on June 30th, 2016. My name is Meredith Smith, and I produce this show as part of my work at AC4, and I'm here with a colleague, Juan Lopez. Hey, Meredith. I am also, uh, I also work at AC4 in the Urban Violence Prevention Project. Wonderful to have you here, Juan, and um, be with you. So these interviews were hosted by Juan, and they explored the work of these creative and amazing youth leaders who are doing work in their hometown of Medellin, Colombia. Uh, Juan has translated the interviews, and today we're going to share them with you in English. The first interview was with three guests, Sergio Gaviria, Kelly Valencia, and Claudia Gonzalez. So I will be reading the part of the interviewer, who was Joan, and Joan will be reading the other parts in the conversation, including the parts of Sergio, Kelly, and Claudia. Here's the original transcript now in English. Hello, my name is Joan Cumilo Lopez, and I'm very excited to have some members of the Arte C8 Youth Network here today. The Youth Network has been our partner on the ground and our friends during our work in Medellin, Colombia. They are youth leaders in Comuna 8, Medellin, a neighborhood that has become an epicenter for urban violence for the past 40 years. The Youth Network was invited to conduct a workshop at the International Association for Conflict Management annual conference and we took this opportunity to invite them to share their experience as youth leaders to the Columbia University community. So here they are. Sergio, Kelly, Claudia, welcome to New York and to Columbia University. Let's begin by hearing a little bit about you and your work. And tell us, how has your visit to New York and Columbia been? My name is Kelly Valencia, member of the Youth Network Artes G8 and Corporación Cultural Diáfora. We came to the annual meeting of the International Association for Conflict Management to share the work we have been doing in Medellin, and we are very happy to be here today. 
Hi, my name is Claudia González. I am also a member of the Youth Network Artes E8 en Corporación Cultural Diáfora and a student of social planning and development at the Colegio Mayor de Antioquia. I am very happy to be here in New York for the second time. But this visit is very special, given that this time I came with my colleagues to share our experience of working with youth leaders in Medellín. I am Sergio Gaviria, a member of the Youth Network and a youth leader in La Sierra, Comuna 8. The experience in this city has been incredible. We have been able to both share our ex expertise as youth leaders and learn about the work that others are doing in relation to conflict resolution and peace building. Part of the purpose of your visit was to attend the conference on conflict management, which is held in different cities of the world annually. You shared your experience of working in violent context in Medellin, your methodologies, your strategies, and their relation to your personal experiences as well. I would like to ask you, what does it take to work in context where violence is part of the everyday? And uh, in context where violence is embedded in the very atmosphere. Something I forgot to mention during my introduction is that I am a student of social work at the Antioquia University. And this fact, plus my work at Comuna Ocho, has allowed me to understand conflict through theory and practice. Your question is very difficult, given that we have only worked in violent contexts. We live there. It's all we know. Our neighborhood has invisible lines, areas you can't cross because there are armed actors that regulate them. And we have had to develop ways to live under these circumstances. Part of the work in keeping our part of the work is in keeping our own safety. Simple things such as helping a colleague from another neighborhood to cross an invisible line. Though our work is not strictly informed by the violence embedded in our community. We work because we see the potential in our community to make things better, to improve the coexistence of our community. In order to do this, we support artistic and cultural activities that enable our youth to have alternative non-violent activities. So frame the question somewhat differently. What does it look like or what does it take to be successful in bringing change when working in the violent context? We know, that we know that we are being successful when we start seeing individual changes in people. When someone shows interest to go back to school, when people begin to show interest for the well-being of others, when the parents' perceptions to the work we do with the kids become positive, so when we notice these changes, we have the sense that the work we do is being successful. We, only pay we also pay attention to the support that we receive by the community. When we see that parents, children, and community members in general are feeling positive, cheerful, inspired by our work, we know we are being successful. You, you start seeing change if you pay attention to little everyday things. When someone takes the decision to finish high school and go to college after being displaced from their hometown and having to recreate their lives by working in construction, etc., you realize that your work is having a positive impact. These changes serve to motivate others. 
there are various factors that need to be considered in order to bring change to violent context. But in essence, the nature of our work is in providing support that enables children and youth to find alternative ways to approach life, to enable them to go beyond what's expected of them, and to embrace a limitless way of life. So what we do individually in our work is to guide our children and youth to construct new dreams and to strive to accomplish them, to go beyond the family expectations. Our work is in progress. We continue to learn every day. So this visit to New York has taught us that the world is bigger than we thought and that we like and, do, and that just like we learned that the world is full of possibilities or children and youth have the potential to understand and embrace this. It's very interesting to see that the role of strong personal relationships, emotions and effect is essential in making change possible. It is also interesting that you put a lot of emphasis on the idea that change is done through everyday small actions. It seems like you have seen significant changes by putting this notion to practice, which is fantastic and inspiring. And tell us what you are doing now. Are there any specific projects you're working on? What are you guys up to? Since 2009, we have been working as the Youth Network, which is a platform where all the youth leaders and organizations in our neighborhood find ways to articulate their work together. We, ha we have had many moments. There are moments when we have many youth together. There are other moments when there isn't many people around. It's been a complicated process especially in bringing and keeping people together. So we are currently working in regroup, to regroup a lot of our older friends and invite new ones. We are trying to make people see the importance of working together and articulate it by showing that the impact that this has had in the work of the youth network. The times we have worked together... Mm, hold on. The times we have worked together, many great things have happened. It's easier to share information, to construct proposals, etc. Once again, we see the importance of holding tight relationships among people and groups in the work that you do. It seems like the practice of collective work is always present in your work. What are the challenges you have faced and that you still face while trying to bring change in your communities? There have been many. Just the fact that whenever you meet someone, you don't only meet a physical person, but a world of perspectives is itself a challenge. The question shouldn't be too focused on the challenges, but rather on how do we face such challenges. So, as we face challenges of any nature, we always pose the question, how do we approach them collectively? Our biggest challenge today, as we have mentioned, is how to articulate the work of many people and organizations together. We are starting to work with other youth organizations to construct joint projects and activities. The idea is to work collectively towards a common objective, 
be it a project, an event, etc. And this does not necessarily mean that we ought to be part of the same organization. So this year we have been trying to we, we this year we have been inviting more organizations to work with us, to brainstorm together, to joint efforts. By trying to work together, we recognize our strengths, but also our weaknesses. And as, Sir, as Sergio mentioned before, one of our obstacles is in trying to make sense of so many different perspectives. Not so, not so long ago, we put together a group of organizations to begin a joint, pro a joint project. And we found that one of our major weaknesses is our writing, especially when it comes to writing grants. So we decided to work together to improve our abilities in putting proposals together and write grants. Another weakness we found among the groups is that the central structure of their groups, their inner organization, needs improvements. We're currently finding ways to improve these weaknesses while we continue to strengthen our friendship with other people and organizations, given that given that our work is premised on friendship. We are also encouraging and supporting new groups that don't have much experience in putting proposals together to start thinking on their needs and future goals. The name of this specific project is being debated. We don't know if we ought to call this support, sponsorship, adoption, or accompaniment. You place so much attention to this uh, nomenclature, how careful you are when it comes to naming or categorizing. Why so much importance to the language you use? We have discussed this, and we noticed that the notion most people have of adoption is that only... We have discussed this, and we noticed that the notion most people have of adoption is that you only give and give things to someone without expecting much effort. When it comes to sponsorship, we've seen that most sponsors just hold the tag, but they don't do much for the sponsored. Now, the term accompaniment usually means that both the person that accompanies and the person being accompanied demonstrate efforts towards a goal. We are yet to define the name. Behind every act is important indeed. And what is for the future of the network? What comes after New York? A lot of work. First of all, we want to share this enriching, enriching experience with our friends and colleagues as soon as we get back to Medellin. We want to tell them while well, we lived here in New York and be able to tell them that dreams are possible to accomplish. The, the challenge now is to continue doing our work, but with more rigor now. Our experience has showed us that hard work pays off. We have been talking about this, and we think that one of our goals now is to grow our network. We want to get out of our neighborhood and reach out to other communities in order to join efforts for the construction of peace in Medellin. As we were talking the other day, we now want our work to have a more ample reach. We want to work for our neighborhood, Medellin, Colombia, 
the world. Personally, I will graduate from college next year. As a professional, I will continue working for my community and sharing my academic experience. In relation to this trip and thinking about my last year of field work, I want to share with the communities I will work with the tools that we have learned from our colleagues from Columbia University, like, C like the CMM methodology. For the network, I agree with Kelly's idea of trying to articulate a citywide network. We have done some work towards this, but there is still a lot to be done. This is a very complex matter, given that there are many interests around the idea of articulating a citywide network. We need to think about the best strategy that enables us to accomplish this, but we will enlarge our circle, to be sure. Personally, I want to finish my college studies. I also want to get back to some projects that I left unfinished. I feel I now have the energy to start working on this again. There are many people in our comuna that think that they can't accomplish what they desire. Some, for example, think that traveling to the United States is impossible. So by, taking a, so by talking about our experience... We believe we can show many of our fellow community members that there is nothing impossible. That's the message we want to transmit when we get back to Medellin. With this experience, we want to begin inviting people to move more within Medellin. There, is, there are people that live in the peripheries of the city and have never been downtown, getting to know different places. We have learned is very important to bring about change for oneself and for a community. We are very curious to learn more about you and about the future work you will develop in Medellin. Your stories and experiences were very exciting, but above all, they were inspiring. As you know, the historical moment Colombia is undertaking requires the work of all, but above all, the work of the youth is pivotal. Without falling in cliches, the youth of Colombia really represents the welfare and the future of the country. It was an honor and a pleasure to have shared this time here today. On behalf of the Columbia University community, I want to thank you for sharing your experiences with us. I wish you the best in your return to Colombia and hope to talk more soon. Thank you, and I hope that what we shared can contribute in some way to the work of some of the people here at Columbia University. Hello, my name is Joan Camilo Lopez, and I'm very happy to now be here with AK-47. Um, AK-47 is here and going to share more about their work in Medellin, Colombia. AK-47 Shooting Words is a hip-hop group based in Medellin that mentors children and young adults in one of the most violent neighborhoods in Medellin. My colleagues, Beth Fisher Yoshida, and Aldo Chivico met Giovanni and Leader, the leaders of this group, uh, while facilitating a workshop among youth community leaders in Comuna Ocho, that's uh, neighborhood eight, also um, about two years ago. Since then, AK-47 has become our partner on the ground and have supported us in the development of our urban violence prevention project. AK-47 participated in the IACM conference at Columbia, where they facilitated a workshop. 
we took this opportunity to invite them here to share their experience as community builders. Giovanni, later, welcome. Let's start by hearing about your experiences as youth leaders working in a context where violence is part of everyday life and as artists that believe in the power that art has in transforming violent context. I am Giovanni Moreno. People call me Nietzsche. I am a member of the hip-hop group AK-47 and of the hip-hop school or Sidbed AK-47. We came to New York to share the story about the work we do and the methods we use to accomplish our work with children in violent contexts. We work with children and young, young adults. We use the hip-hop culture to attract children and young, young adults and to show them alternative ways to approach life that are far from the violence they experience in their daily lives. We were also motivated to come to this conference because we felt that there was much to learn from this community. And our idea is to share, once we get back to Medellin, everything we learned while our stay here in New York and at Columbia University. I am Leider Toro, also called Flow. I am also part of the hip-hop group AK-47 and the hip-hop school AK-47. Our work with children and youth has allowed them to find alternative ways to communicate, especially through rap music, their fears, their dreams, and their joys. In art, they have found a refuge. Your main focus is children and youth. You use art as a tool to work with them and trying to transform their lives and thereby their communities. What is the relationship between art, youth, and children and the possibility to transform a violent context? How is art useful in bringing change to the lives of children and youth and to their context? Want to start? Art is a great tool for communication. We have noticed that children embrace art because it gives them an alternative way to make sense of their lives and to articulate what they feel in a way that they can understand and express. When they feel anger, sadness, etc., they are able to express it by writing a song or by drawing. By using their body, dancing, they can express a lot of the anger and sadness they experience in their daily lives. Art also provides the atmosphere that allows our children to construct stronger relationships between each other and that allows them to feel secure and free. The presence of a proper atmosphere is indeed essential in our development as human beings. And of course, central for our development as social beings. What about the obstacles you face? What are the challenges you face in trying to work with children and youth in this setting of intractable conflict and also violence? The biggest obstacle in making sense of one is making sense of one's own reality. In trying to understand my condition, I inevitably start to understand the condition of others around me. But there's always a challenge, but it's always challenging to do so. The other obstacle is the conditions of the context we inhabit. There are many armed groups in our neighborhood. They are like gangs, and they have become role models to a lot of the youth. So one of the challenges we face is in trying to transform this role, role model dynamic 
to construct other figures that attract our youth. The presence of drug abuse and prostitution is common in our neighborhoods. This represents another big obstacle for the work we intend to do. So through art, we have been able to leverage the innate potentials of our kids in our community that allows them to overcome some of these obstacles. Do you have a story you would like to share with us about the impact your work has had on a child or a young adult in your community? I'm thinking about the obstacles you just enumerated. Nietzsche, like a boy or a girl that is immersed in drug abuse or prostitution and that after being introduced to the power of art, experienced a life transformation. Can you think of someone that has experienced such a transformation? During one of our first gatherings, we did an activity with the kids that were present. We asked them about their dreams, what were their aspirations, who did they want to be when they grow up. One of them said that he wanted to be a gang member. He wanted to be part of one of the most popular gangs in the neighborhood because, he would, because that would give him the opportunity to have a motorcycle and many women around him. That was his goal. He worked with, we worked with this kid for a year without ever mentioning on his dream. A year later, he, we posed the same question to this kid and he answered that he wanted now to be a singer. That he wanted to contribute to the betterment of his family and his community by being a singer. This was a major change. We noticed that our work was having a positive impact on our youth. There are many stories like this one, but if we tell them all, you won't be able to finish this conversation today. What a magnificent story. This is a great example that illustrates how change becomes possible by constructing proper settings in which children and youth are able to find alternative routes to conceive constructive dreams. Tell us, what are you currently working on back in Medellin? We are always moving. We continually reach out to the municipality looking for cooperation and mutual support. Our school is always in motion, as well as our youth network. We are always elaborating projects and putting them into practice. AK-47 is recording a new album too. And we will continue to work in alliance with our colleagues from AC4 in making our hip-hop school thrive. Flo and Nietzsche, did you want to add something? Yes, there is a project called C8 Hip Hop or Comuna Ocho Hip Hop. This is a joint project between all the hip hop groups in Comuna Ocho that strives to joint efforts in trying to make the hip-hop culture stronger in our comuna. In July 23rd, we will have the third meeting. We have very limited resources, but little by little, we will get there. Our idea is to have these meetings at least once a month. And on November, we want to have a macro hip-hop event in our neighborhood in which we can all perform. Fantastic. That sounds like a great initiative to integrate people around the hip-hop culture in your community. I feel very honored to have had the opportunity to share this space with you today. We can't wait to hear about your new projects. We hope that your work continues to uh, mitigate the harsh 
conditions that some of the youth of Medellin face. Many great things will happen. The best is yet to come, especially after this great experience here in New York. As soon as we get back to Medellin, we, we want to tell our kids that if they work hard, their dreams are possible. Who would have thought that through hip-hop we would be able to come to New York, the place where he was born? It's always nice to end a conversation by talking about accomplished dreams. Let's hope that the dreams of many of the children and youth of Medellin, too, become reality. Thank you very much. We wish the best to you and your work. I am sure we will talk soon. Hello, I am Joan Camilo Lopez, and it's my pleasure to have Andres Murcia here with me today. He is the scientific director of James Rodriguez's foundation, Colombia Somos Todos. They are one of our main partners in Colombia. Andres came to New York to participate in the annual meeting of the International Association for Conflict Management, IACM, where he presented the work his foundation has been doing around conflict resolution and peace building among children and youth in Ibagué, Colombia. Andres, we are very excited to have you here today. Tell us, how has been your visit to Columbia, uh, Columbia University thus far? This is the first time you participated at the IACM conference. How was it? Hello. Thank you very much for the invitation. The IACM is putting forth some very interesting and innovative challenges. Understanding conflict through a global lens has allowed practitioners of conflict management and resolution to construct new strategies and methodologies. In the Colombian case, for instance, theorists and practitioners are suggesting a more comprehensive approach to a conflict that has lasted more than half a century. We are looking at how social dynamics of coexistence can be transformed in order to make the conflict manageable. By having shared our work in Colombia, our understanding and methods about conflict, and by being exposed to other understandings and methods, we are, being, we are beginning to comprehend conflict in a different way. The notion of constructing an understanding of conflict that considers its global dimension is indeed an important step towards understanding conflict management and resolution. Given the local conflicts relate in many ways to larger, more macro ones. In this sense, looking at conflict under a global lens is essential. Tell us, how do you see the work that's being done globally as applicable to the specific case of Colombia, especially towards the work your foundation does with children and youth? We work under the premise that conflict is constantly present in the development and experience of human life. In essence, what we need to do is to find a way to manage such conflict. Thus, when it is said in Colombia that the end of the war is the end of conflict, we are limiting our understanding of and our ability to manage conflict. This is limiting because we lose the opportunity to dialogue to construct consensus, to understand that diversity is part of the everyday. Fundación Colombia Somos Todos strives to develop a methodological and pedagogical approach based on scientific evidence. 
This scientific approach strives to understand the relationship between biological and cultural processes in everyday human relations that suggest the presence of pro-social behaviors such as cooperation, coordination, and collaboration. In this sense, the challenge for Colombia, for the Colombian case, is not only to end the armed conflict, although this is a necessary condition to improve the social well-being of the country, but we, what we ought to look for in Colombia and perhaps in Latin America are processes that will allow us to coexist as a healthy society. To find dynamics that would allow families to have better relationships among them. To find social processes that would make urban life more, more tolerable. We need to find ways to construct enriching environments. So the work we do with children between 7 and 12 years of, of age is to strengthen the pro-social behaviors of these children. In other words, to potentiate the vital capital of these children. Can you tell us more about your notion of vital capital? How is this related to a social intervention? Vital capital is a, notion, is a notion I am developing personally. After my experience in working with children that have been part of illegal armed groups and communities that have been forcefully displaced in Colombia, I began analyzing the life cycle of these kids and we detected that, in average, at least at seven years of age, these kids would become <clears throat> and, and be recognized as adults under the conventional notion of adultness in their environment. This fact challenges the conventional models of human development, in which it is assumed that there, is, that there are rigid phases and ages that all children must pass through at similar times, the circumstances notwithstanding. But what happens, but what happens when, in a given context, a child of seven years of age is considered an adult, with economical means, with access to everything that any adult would have access to? What are the implications of this finding for the understanding of human development? Our notion of vital capital is meant to understand the biology culture continuum, and it constitutes three, these three factors. Biological equipment, which is the physical, emotional, and cognitive capacities. Social scaffolding, which is our capacity to be social. And what we call the ecological Nietzsche, which has to do with those places that are both natural and cultural that we inhabit. This is a very interesting approach. Considering and being sensible to the reality of the social life of a country like Colombia, and in terms of time and applicability, for how long have you been practicing this approach at the Foundation? Tell us more about the context in which the Foundation operates. Is it rural or urban? And what results have you been able to find? This conceptual approach was initially put to practice by developing an integral methodology. This was possible by constructing a methodological alliance with Fundación Colombia Somos Todos. Our idea was to that through soccer, we were going to be able to concentrate in improving and, and strengthening the vital capital of children. Soccer has been used as a tool that has allowed us to have the attention of children and their families for about five years at James Rodriguez Foundation. 
Through soccer, we strengthen the children's physical, emotional, social, and cognitive capacities. The results? We have been able to detect substantial changes in the lives of the children with whom we work. For instance, simple things such as learning how to run adequately, how to anticipate everyday situations. We have also evidenced the pro-social behaviors that can be strengthened in these kids and in their environments. They are starting to understand that they can change the reality of their context by working collectively with their families, their friends. <clears throat> we have evidence that little by little parents and teachers are more engaged in this process. This approach can prove itself to be essential in many dimensions. Thinking about the political transformation currently taking place in Colombia, it is very essential to integrate the children and the youth to such transformation. It is very inspiring to learn about the work you are doing and to be able to share this with the Columbia University community. Andres, tell us, what are your plans as you return uh, now to Colombia after your experience at the IACM conference? Are there any projects or plans that you're going to start develop? Strengthening our capacity to coexist in Colombia. This is my challenge, and perhaps it should be the challenge of every single Colombian. We need to start imagining a place where we can live together in a friendly manner, in which we can live in tranquility. Here at the IACM conference, we discussed this in depth. What are the social mechanism that, mechanisms that, if reinforced, would enable us to coexist in harmony? Many things came out of this conference. For example, the analysis of dynamical systems, which makes us understand that my personal actions function in relation to a macro system that has an impact, positive and negative, not only on myself, but on all members of the system. It was very interesting to see this approach conceptualized in different disciplines, from mathematics to physics. It would be interesting to take this perspective to the analysis of the, f of the conflict in Colombia. And it would also be interesting to continue sharing the approach we take in our university, Externado de Colombia, which is based on neuroscience to this community. So our challenge is to construct a new country by constructing new behavioral patterns. Through the foundation, we are striving to make this project sustainable through time. Andres, it was an honor to have this conversation with you. And I really hope that you will continue to participate in this kind of international meeting and to continue sharing your innovative approach. Thank you very much for being here today, and I hope the rest of your stay in New York is pleasant. Thank you, and to the Columbia University community, you are always welcome in Colombia. It was a pleasure to be here with you today. Many thanks for the invitation. The music for this show was written and composed by Kevin Johnston and is titled Kingdom Stowaway.